Hey everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, we are talking about dealing with your emotions in a healthy way. So, no more angry outbursts, no late night raids on the refrigerator, no smoking, how to deal with stress, anger, and, well, pretty much every emotion. That's up next, after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. U.S. missile defense systems are being deployed to Guam in the face of a continued threat from North Korea. Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel says the North Korean rhetoric is a real and clear danger. Pressure from the National Rifle Association could lead the Senate to drop another key portion of the gun control bill. NRA officials think the language detailing harsher penalties for straw purchasing should be changed so people can only be punished if they actually intend to break the law. In Connecticut, lawmakers are considering what is being described as the toughest gun control bill in the nation. If passed, the bill will ban high-capacity magazines and require background checks for private gun sales. A new abortion law is passed through the Alabama legislature and is now headed for the governor's desk. Opponents say the law is a backdoor attempt to shut down the state's five abortion clinics. In world news, Taliban suicide bombers violently, violently excuse me, attacked a courthouse in Afghanistan today, killing nearly 50 and injuring close to 100 more. The attack was intended to free fellow insurgents from standing trial, but all the aggressors were eventually killed by local police forces. A key joint North and South Korean industrial complex was shut today by leaders from the North. The move has been labeled ominous as the complex is the only open crossing between the two nations. An unexploded World War II-era bomb was found today near a major Berlin train station. The 220-pound bomb caused massive commuter delays this morning while experts debated attempting to remove it or detonate it in place. And Spain's Princess Cristina has been summoned to court on corruption charges, alleging her husband misused millions of euros of public money. It is believed this is the first time a descendant of the Spanish king has been charged. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives, healthier, happier relationships. Welcome to the program, everybody. It's such a nice day, and uh, we have got a great topic for you today. I know you're going to enjoy this one if you have ever had an emotional outburst. Have you ever just uh, been incredibly frustrated, angry with somebody, and it just boiled over all over everybody, and you ended up regretting it? You ended up feeling shame and, uh, you know, bad. That's what we're going to talk about today, how to avoid that by managing your emotional health a little bit better. And we're going to be bringing on an expert all the way from Israel, who's going to walk us through our own emotional health, help us be happier and healthier. But before we get into that, I uh, we got to bring up the emotional outburst of the day. And I'm looking at everybody around here, and they're like, was it me? No, it wasn't you, Sky Boy. I was scared. Were you afraid it was I you? I was scared it was me. It's not you. Okay, so I know- It was I f- Madison. Yeah, I know Knew I flipped it. out a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's you all, I'm sure you heard this in the news, Mike Rice- who's the Rutgers University basketball coach, he's been fired. 
He was fired for shoving his players, hurling balls at his players at their heads, by the way, and berating them with homophobic slurs. Gone. Boom. Where is Rutgers? Rutgers is in New Jersey. Okay. Newark, New Jersey. And in fact, the governor, Governor Chris Christie uh, of New Jersey, has basically called for the dismissal as well. The, the, what happened is ESPN Sports released a broadcast um, uh, or a clip where they showed like five minutes of him tormenting his players over the last few years, just doing everything he could do. And gone. Now, long, remember the days years ago, night. Uh, Bobby, Bobby Knight, Knight throws yeah. a chair, chair across. Yeah. And then, you know, everyone's like, hey, maybe these coaches need to relax. So there's been many a coach recently yeah. who's been fired. I mean, for eons, we didn't care what the coaches did with their emotion, just as long as we're winning. But now, apparently, you can't have emotional outbursts in this at this level, or we're going to have to let you go. In fact, it's such a big deal that just suspending Rice cost $75,000 in his fines and lost salary. But he's gone. He's done. And um, here was his apology. He actually, uh, Rice, 44 years old, apologized for his behavior. In an interview with WABC-TV on Wednesday, uh, this is basically what he said. There's no explanation for what's on that film, he said. There's no excuse for it. I was wrong, and I want to tell everybody who's believed in me that I'm sorry for the pain and hardship that I've caused. Boom. Well, there you go. But, I mean, consider the pressure that oh. guy must be under. Oh, yeah. Because as a coach, like how you said, you know, as no one cares as long as they're winning. That's right. Because they put it on the coach. But what if the players just are bad? Well, the players do care, though, too. You know, the players care. And that's, I guess, where you're going to get your production, right? Yeah. So it, it ends up costing them in the long run. But he was the one that was caught. So on the show today, we're going to give you some tools so you don't need to throw balls at people. <laughs> right, Skyboy? Yes. Like, you don't need to throw things at me I, anymore. I, you don't need to. So I want you to listen. If I today. remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that Shh. you throw things at <laughs> me a lot. But it's not like I do <laughs> Just it about out of every love. day. It's not, it's not. It's more of a love throw. Oh, how so? How is it? Well, like? I say I love you while I throw it. I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> haven't you heard it? Well, you get your headset on. If you take your headset off, <laughs> you would listen. You'd hear that I am doing it out of love. Okay. And I don't. I just drop papers. While you're well, reading you've also, a script, like thrown paper, uh, pens and cha- chapstick, and yeah, you've thrown a well. Let's be real about that. Clips. That was to wake you up because we <laughs> needed to go to commercial. Well, I was talking on air, so I was already awake. Mm. <laughs> well, that was a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're getting confused. Oh, maybe we need to do this off the air. <laughs> I'll meet you outside by my car. Okay, right after the show. But come alone. <laughs> oh goodness! It's so on. Mad. It's on, Matt. You better hope that our guest today can calm down my emotion. Yeah, you're getting a little out, I'm going, out of control ah! here. And poor Rutgers. Honestly, of all universities that didn't need this, it's Rutgers. They have gone through a lot of stuff. So just we're doing a little shout out from the Matt Townsend show to New Jersey Rutgers University. Seriously. We're sorry. You didn't need this. You've already had, you know, big deal, tragedy after tragedy, issue after issue. So we love you. From BYU Radio to Rutgers, we got your back. Just make sure that you say New Jersey right. Joyzy. Joyzy. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. Love it. Now, <laughs> before we go on, there, Eminem, we call them Eminem, uh, Merritt and Madison. Eminems make friends. <laughs> And Madison and Merritt have put together a really awesome study that they found about emotion. 
Now, you're not going to believe this, but apparently we're handling our emotions differently today than we used to. Right, ladies? Yeah. Okay, I totally thought that you were going to talk about the rapper. I was like, when you said Eminem, I was like... Oh, not Eminem. No, M&Ms. They make friends. You guys are like candy. It's true. There you go. So what's the study about? Okay, so... um. Kind of what sparked this idea is an article that Merritt found on NPR, and it was something about how books pretty much reflect the emotional, you know, the feeling of the time. And it's very interesting how you look at that. And with my background, I know that's true with fashion also. Really? I mean, if you just look food. at- Food. Yeah, food too. There you go. Yeah, Throw food. But um, if you look at this past century, you know, think of it, the 20s. Yep. Right there, you know, during the time when they were coming out of the war, there were a lot less guys around. And so women became more managed, you know, the dropped waist, you know, all that stuff. I didn't notice that. But then. <laughs> In their clothes, you mean? Yes. Well, I thought their waist actually started to drop. <laughs> no. Okay. No, just, just, just the clothes. You're talking technical. <laughs> yeah. But then to still be, you know, attractive, they had the rise of the hemline, you know. Okay. But then come. Oh, Matt, you didn't know that? <laughs> yeah. What's a hemline? <laughs> okay, keep going. But then come the time of the Great Depression, it times were more sad, times were more solemn. So that dress became more demure, like the hemlines lowered. It became more traditional. And right during the time of the war, you know, it became like the really fashionable to have, you know, the nipped in waist to be more feminine because, you know, you're sending your boys off to war, you know. Yes. Had to give them something to think about, you know, you're good figure i guess and also during that time pencil skirts were in now do you know why pencil skirts were Be- in during that time well because they needed to write they're men quite. that went away to war <laughs> wrong type of pencil mat okay okay so <laughs> it's because that they would use less fabric so that more fabric oh, so a pencil skirt's like a tight little skirt mm-hmm. yeah so that more of the fabric could go to the war effort and same thing with pantyhose pardon <laughs> what was that about pantyhose? Uh, stockings. Oh, they ran out like, of stockings. Yeah, they just used that to go to the war, and so there was like leg makeup. Really? But then, boom, as soon as the war was over, boom, big skirts. No more leg makeup. Bring on the stockings. <laughs> Bring on the stockings, yep. Why are you Super blushing? Big skirts. <laughs> he it's is the leg blushing. Makeup. I just <laughs> think it's funny listening <laughs> to Matt like, talk well, about all this. Well, he's blushing because fashions. we're talking about leg makeup, and <laughs> I, I caught him yesterday putting on some leg makeup. Oh, Matt. Yeah. That was our secret. <laughs> well, yeah, but you shouldn't be doing it at the office. You need to make sure that your legs are Just very because tan. you told the world you wear makeup. I do wear it doesn't makeup. mean you can tell the world I wear makeup. Well, I wear legs. mine on my face. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that, you know what's really weird, Madison, is that you've actually thought about all of this. Uh, more like studied it. Okay, this is part of your schooling. Uh, somewhat. There yeah. you go. That's good. Well, yeah, so go. our, our fashion impacts our mood, or our, our mood of the time is played out in our fashion. Mm-hmm. I still think it's played out in the food. Yeah. I don't know why. Totally. And the other part of the M&M makes friends merit. What's your view? Well, to go back to the article, the researchers from England used word counts, and they would use a bunch of different material, books, news articles, technical manuals, anything that was published throughout the 20th century yeah. and then categorized how many words of a certain emo- that were connected with a certain emotion were okay. used. And so this has obviously fluctuated through time. But the interesting things come with the peaks and the dips. Okay. And so, for example, in the 1920s, 
happiness words were used more than they've ever been used in the that's country. The, that's the time to party. Everyone well, had money. Yeah. The economy we were, was great. Yeah. The Charleston. Yeah. Hello. What makes you happier than the Charleston? Good music. Yeah. I just, there's nothing. Prohibition. <laughs> and you'd consequently be, a lot of. You'd think it would be more depression. But, it's, <laughs> but it, I guess that's the 30s, right? So, so in the end, uh, in the 20s, really the, the most commonly used words in the literature tend to be happier words. Yes. Yeah. The number okay. of happy words that showed up. In Interesting. Was so the twenties fairly happy. Yeah, but then obviously there was the Great Depression, and yeah. then to even worse than that, there was World War Two. World War Two, which was just disastrous, and so that led to 1941 being the peak for sad words. The most sad words were used that year in literature than any other. Isn't that fascinating? So our words are coming out. We, well, we know that with like Twitter. Twitter will do a search for what people, what are people talking about around the election? What words are they saying? How often is Obama used? So they're just doing this similar type of research over all over of the Over centuries. That's fascinating. Yeah. 40s uh, then were sad words. Yes. Did they, did they get into the 60s? No, the 60s experienced a rise. And for a while it was kind of neutral there. There were more happy words. But really it kind of was bordering – According to the graph, it was bordering happy and sad. But is it, so when we got into the 70s, were the words like more slurred and kind of <laughs> more uh, inappropriate involving cannabis and stuff? The drug culture. I, I don't know. Check that, that out. Tell them to investigate <laughs> that because I would bet it. I bet it did. And Skyboy shakes his head. So that's obviously yes. <laughs> so what's the next generation? The what's next, the next dip or fall? Yeah, the next dip was in the 1980s when fear words were used a lot. Fear and sad words. And obviously that yes. could. I know what that's about. You know, the Cold War, there was a lot. There were a lot of problems going it, on. It could have been the Cold War or it could have been that that was when women had those really big claw bangs. <laughs> And the claw bang is enough to incite fear. <laughs> well, I was just wondering about because that's that's a lot of great music. I was wondering there was great music. There was great music from yeah. that time, and yet everyone was still afraid. And that's thing. that's also when Millie Vanilli came out. So again, they're the ones that lip synced and they lied that they had actually made a really hip, cool song, and they got in trouble for actually never having made that song. Yeah, but you know, the hair thing that goes back to the fashion too. See? 80s big time big for the hair, economy, so big bangs. Big yeah. clothing. That's when the big bang theory was actually created. Oh, really? Mhm. <laughs> um so the 80s <laughs> okay. I, I, I will bet it has a lot more to do with uh the war, the cold war. And yeah. and but then the 90s should have been, "Hey, we're happy again." Yeah, then it experienced another rise, and it's right. still on the rise up to 2000, which is where their research ended. But the interesting thing is, is that overall the number of emotion words, the number of words associated with emotions, yeah. has gone down throughout the 20th century. People really? use fewer and fewer emotion words as the century has gone on. My life is not worth emoting over. And they're not sharing emotion words anymore. They're not sharing emotion words as much as they did at That's... the beginning of the century. That's sad. You know, that's weird. We have gone emotionless. But, you know, it begs the question, why? Why aren't we using more emotion words? It's a great question. Beg. Yeah. I know. <laughs> beg. It, okay, it, we're not going to beg. It but. does <laughs> beg the question, why? Um, hmm. I think it's the generation. Well, one idea, I guess, could be the hypothesis of we have all this other – we have this, these other means to communicate our emotion. Right? Like what? Tweeting, 
texting, Facebook, um, and all the other junk people are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was an emotion word. <laughs> all of the junk. There yeah. you go. <laughs> so maybe social media, the rise of social media. But see, that would be that would still be part of the study because those words would be incorporated, right? I don't know. Or is it just books? I think and it was magazines? just books. Okay. But you know That's what? That's interesting. Okay, you know what gotta... I think, though? What? I think it's just an apathy of the generation. I think because, you know, we always hear of how yeah. entitled the current generation is, all this stuff, and even how people, there's a lack of communication. You know, there's a lot of issues, I'm sure, as you've seen with uh-huh. dating. Guys don't know how to ask girls out on dates. You know, know, girls don't know how to react, all this stuff like that. So Skylar just shrugged. I just rolled my <laughs> eyes, like... Sky Boy. <laughs> but see, maybe it is. So maybe it is generational too, where this mm-hmm. new generation isn't, they're not communicating their emotions. I want to hear from you in the listener land. What do you think is the cause of the drop off? Why have we, why are we no longer using emotion words in our language? One eight five five chat BYU. Give us a call. One eight five five chat BYU. What do you think is the cause of us? Are we just going less emotional, or is it a generational thing where certain generations they maybe they don't care anymore? Whatever, life's over. All they have is student loans and no job. Is that the key? Is it not worth sharing anymore, or is it you know social? Uh, is it the social? Networks that now are, are taking away and, and starting to we're starting to use our emotion there. Is it now that we have a really strong ability to communicate so I can just send my feelings to my best friend and she'll call me and walk me through my pain? What do you guys think? You have a you have a feeling? Merit does. I, I think that might be it. What you just we're said. texting. We're we can send our emotions out every which way. We don't have to use them to create anything. We don't even have to write them in a book substance. anymore. But you brought up the point we're writing more books. So there's more books being published now. There are more books being published. But still more fewer emotional words. More, but fewer emotional words. Maybe that also might mean that we're writing books that are more um, like we're books that are more informational. Scientific. More objective. scientific. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hmm. Maybe the technology is taking over and we're just becoming robots. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, I think I'm seeing a robot every time I look at Skyboy. <laughs> so that you might be onto something there. Did you just say my name? Skyboy. Okay. Oh, sorry. Did you wake up? So we're going to take a break, and I'd love to hear from you. one eight five five chat byu one eight five five chat byu Why do you think there is a fall-off of emotion? Are we not sharing our emotions like we used to? And we just run into a dearth of any feeling or caring in these younger generations. I want to hear from you. one eight five five chat byu When we come back, we also are going to give you some things that maybe people are doing instead of sharing their emotions. Maybe the unhealthy things. Rob's going to walk us through that. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I spy with my computer-tracked eyes how this technology will change lives for everyone. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Touchscreens were a breakthrough in computer interactivity, but we've seen the next step, and it's seen us too. They call it gaze interaction, which is a fancy name for tracking your eyes to determine what you're looking at and letting the direction and intensity of that gazing drive a computer mouse. The camera is built into the computer display or in an attachment you add to the screen. 
Using algorithms that track the very fleeting movements of your eyes and timing how long you look, as well as how wide your eyes get, the gaze tracker does a credible job of going where you think you want it to go. Many users claim it's such an intuitive way to drive a computer, it feels a lot like telepathy. One company uses a modified arcade game of asteroids to promote gaze control. Everything on the screen is eye-driven and surprisingly controllable. Applications for cars are in development to let you activate controls without taking your eye off the road and to warn that you might be dozing off at the wheel. That trick alone could save 250,000 drivers a year in America. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. You know that feeling you get when you're listening to one of our shows here on BYU Radio? Like you know exactly who needs to hear this message, but there's no way they could tune in right now. Well, here's our solution. Check out our BYU Radio YouTube channel to find previous episodes of some of your favorite shows. Then, easy as that, you can share episodes of BYU Radio with anyone. And thanks for listening to us here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, you feelingless people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Dr. Matt Townsend. Apparently, according to the study, we don't feel anymore. We just don't care. We're not using as many feeling words as we used to in the media, in our books. And so uh, today on the show, we're talking about emotions, how to manage your emotions in a healthier way. But I think Rob has a disagreement. People have plenty of emotion, and I'll tell you one place. Or you can see it. Just go online. Online? What do you mean? People talk about the loss of civility, that people are being too easygoing expressing their emotions online. People are doing So you think, you think we are expressing emotion? Oh, all the time. You just think the research is no, just ha- messed up. Habits, too. What do you mean? Don't think about all the advice. Did you, he, did you just yawn? <laughs> I just heard your yawn on the radio. Are we boring you, Skyboy? I'm just tired, Matt. I'm very, very intrigued by this conversation. Oversleeping. And I, I, that's advice. That is a sign of emotional distress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also a sign that he's probably playing video games at night. Which, I wish. Oh, see, there you go. I haven't played a video game forever. I have whatever. a nice big stack of vices here. And I, the, I didn't even think about video games. Video games are a great way, apparently, to uh, de-stress. It's, you know, it just isn't. There's probably healthier but ways. But it's probably not useful if it eats up all your free time. Give us some more ways that uh, that are becoming pretty well-known or you hear about a lot. Binge eating. Binge eating. This is my personal favorite. Just a little, you know, cookies at one in the morning. Oh, it's uh, second dinner. Yeah. You, you, you come home from work, you fix a little dinner, and you, you feel pretty good. Yeah. And right around the time you need to go to bed, you start thinking about all the activities and things you have going on at work the right. next day. And that starts to stress you out a little bit because you know once you go to bed, it's like a time machine. You wake up and you have to deal with that. So you're not quite ready to, to so deal with that. So you need to throw back so some more So you throw on food. some t- TV, and while you're throwing the TV, you think, okay, well – I don't want to just sit here bored. Might as well go fix something. That's a good to eat. one. Next thing you know, it's eleven uh, thirty at night. You have a plate of super nachos. Yeah. You have acid reflux. <sighs> Not a good way to. Not a uh, good way. There's they, bot- There's got to be better ways. They say when I say they, I say they because the printer cut off who they <laughs> were. 
compulsive, out-of-control episodes of eating are, fulfill, are filled with deep, uh, followed by deep shame, guilt, and depression. Yeah. And unlike other eating disorders, affects men to an almost equal amount. Interesting. Okay, because we're stressed. So that's an unhealthy way to deal with your emotion. Any others? Uh, this is a stretch. Okay. Student loan debt. Well, uh, what do you mean? I think it's not just a cause of stress. I think it's actually a mechanism some young people use to try to cope with stress. They go take out student loans? <laughs> yeah. Well, so what happens is they're getting to the end of their four-year degree. Yeah. And they're having to face the reality of going out and getting a job. And a lot of these people, students, uh, may have focused so much on their academics that they never took employment. So the concept of working eight hours a day seems scary anyway. Right. They don't know how to get a job. And even then, they don't have a lot of confidence they get the job because they've been hearing for the whole time, the entire time they've been in college, oh, the economy's terrible. Nobody can find work. 10% unemployment, 8% unemployment. So they just kind of think, oh, well, I'm good at school. So sure, I'll get into this Masters of Art History program. Yeah. It's $100,000 a year. And so a lot of these people actually do, uh, students graduate within one hundred to $200,000 worth of debt, a, mor- oh, a mortgage geez. worth of debt. And then that creates stress on the back end, which so, leads into other vices So too. in order to not deal with reality, they're taking on more debt, going to school to just keep yeah. avoiding the emotion of having to grow up. Because, well, I mean, school's nice. It. They have places that feed you and yeah. places to house you. And- okay, that's not a healthy one either. Give me another one. What else do you see out there in the world? Our good friend smoking. It's been around for a long time. When I say yeah, good smoking friend. Smoking is the friend that. It's your abusive friend who, you know, you need to cut out. It's probably anything excessive drinking, you know what I mean? It's eating. Vices, it's drugs. all these vices, right? Uh, one a lot of people don't think of, but it actually has a substantial inroads with uh, junior high, high school, and college students is um, self injury. And when I say young people, yeah. too, it does actually. It's not just young people, but that's where you begin to notice it. Um, signs of self-injury include unexplained wounds, blood stains, sharp objects that don't make sense. Why would you have yeah. uh, several knives on your uh, razor, yeah, in your by your bed? You know, claiming that they have frequent accidents, uh, uh, weird things to cover it up. They'll isolate themselves and need to be alone for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people that. In order to do it, they go work out, which seems like a good thing, but they work out to such extreme and excess, and they're just ripped, and they don't know when to say no. So they they, they get addicted to the pain of working out at the gym when you really yeah. push it. Or just the endorphin high that comes from pushing it all night, and you know you it, feel good. It's and, just like self-mutilation. The pain covers up the other feelings yeah. that you don't want to deal with. But like then you don't stress. go deal with your family. You don't go deal with anything that actually would actually eliminate the stress if you would just go work on the stress. And mm-hmm. last but not least, road rage. Driving crazy. And that's one because that's self-perpetuating because other people road rage you. Yeah, I that only road rage because they road rage. Which then comes back out as road rage. It's the gift that keeps on giving, folks. A little road rage. So there you have it, Rob. Good stuff. Uh, A bunch of things that people tend to do to manage their emotions. Um, Interestingly, none of them were healthy. So when we come back, we're going to be bringing on an expert straight from Israel. Joan Jacobs is joining us. She's going to teach us how to heal our emotions and how to create healthier, 
happier lives by managing our emotions in the healthiest way possible. Stick with us. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. BYU baseball, football, basketball, soccer, and volleyball. Live games on BYU Radio and BYU TV. To get your business involved as a sponsor of Cougar Sports, email corporate support at byu.edu. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Mobile missile defense systems are being deployed in Guam to defend against any attack from North Korea. Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel says U.S. leaders are doing everything they can to defuse the situation. Another key section could be dropped from the Senate's gun control bill. Pressure from the National Rifle Association is mounting against a section, creating harsher punishments for straw purchases. Connecticut lawmakers are expected to vote today on what has been described as one of the nation's toughest gun control bills. If approved, the state will ban high-capacity magazines and increase background checks. A new abortion law has passed through the Alabama legislature and is now headed for the governor's desk. Opponents say the law is a backdoor attempt to shut down the state's abortion clinics. In world news, tragedy and violence in an Afghan court today where close to 50 are dead after a large-scale Taliban attack. Suicide bombers rushed into the court dressed as soldiers in an attempt to free other insurgents from standing trial. A key joint North and South Korean industrial complex was shut today by leaders from the North. The move has been labeled ominous as the complex is the only open crossing between the two nations. An unexploded World War II-era bomb was found today near a major Berlin train station. The 220-pound bomb caused massive commuter delays this morning while experts debated, attempting to remove it or detonate it in place. And Spain's Princess Cristina has been summoned to court on corruption charges, alleging her husband misused millions of euros of public money. It's believed this is the first time a descendant of the Spanish king has been charged. That's the news now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Dr. Matt Townsend here with you today. We're talking emotional health. You ever just feel like you can't take it anymore? Your emotions are breaking down. You know, maybe you need to go binge on a lot of food tonight, a little extra second dinner for you. Or maybe you're just driving your truck and you're, you you know, you get a call from home and you're frustrated. You take it out on everybody. Or you're a basketball coach at Rutgers that uh, really needs to win, create some results, and you end up throwing balls at people and yelling slurs. In the end, emotion is everywhere, right? It's part of living. It's part of life. It's the stressor. It's also the joy. Both are emotions, and we've got to learn to do it healthier and manage our emotions in a healthier way. So we've asked Joan Jacobs. Now, Joan Jacobs uh, is has been a holistic healer with experience in emotional and information-based healing with 26 years of experience. She resides in Israel and teaches on the Faculty of Health Sciences at the Ben-Gurion University in Israel. 
And uh, she just knows her stuff. She's published a book. Her first book was titled Messages from the Soul, A Holistic Approach to Healing. And we wanted to get her on the, the phone with us and the radio, actually Skype with us today, because we want to find out how to manage our health, uh, our emotional health, in uh, more productive ways. So, Joan, welcome to the program. Hi, Matt. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Good to have you on the show. Uh, and truly, Joan, I, I think, you know, we need to master this emotional stuff, don't we? Because it's not going away. And not only is it not going away, but I would say that it, it really is undermining health um, to much greater extent than what people um, estimate. What do you mean? Because I mean, a lot of us just think, well, you know, come on, everyone's stressed. It's no big deal. But it, the emotional stress and pain, I mean, it's causing things that we're not even aware of. Well, to begin with, uh, when, when emotions are created in the body, there, there are two physiological paths. One is neurological meaning affecting the nervous system, and the second is biochemical, which bottom line is affecting the cells. Hmm. So it's a lot more scientific than, you know, just saying body-mind, right. um, we're stressed out, we have, you know, um, and I, I'm not sure that enough people really understand how directly linked their emotions are to what's going on in their bodies. And t- tell us more about it, like um, whether it's from the neurological pathways, I guess, or the biochemical, th- these are having a f- an effect on other parts of our body, other other systems as well, I assume. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the nervous system obviously is, is connected to all the other body systems, but there's a particular importance. Um, in regard to the correlation between the nervous system and the immune system. Hmm. Um, and in fact, I was, I was listening in, you were talking about um, becoming emotionless. Um, and there is something to be said about shutting down emotionally and how that shut, shut down, shuts down the nervous system. Now, what the nervous system does is creates the sensations that we feel in the body. Hmm. Um, you know, the listeners can try and remember what it feels like in the body to be angry, for instance. So you'll get uh, metaphors such as, you know, it feels like I'm on fire. It feels like I'm a volcano about to explode and things like that. There is a sensation that's totally physical, and that's created by the nervous system. Now, the biochemical pathway is the one that's affecting the cells, and it's been scientifically proved that negative emotions affect the cells in a negative way, and if you experience enough um, repetitive negative emotions, the, there's a, a negative consciousness that's integrated into the cell, which not only affects that cell badly, but then when the cell divides, then it's passing on the negative consciousness to the daughter cell. Interesting. So you so, find yourself it, in a loop that you just can't get out of. Yeah, and it's um, it, that's it's fascinating because you know everything's a cell inside of us, and but these cells then 
they don't handle the biochemical um, of stress as well. But then they also, I guess, then kind of communicate. So when the, when those cells die, then new cells come in, and then I guess it, it's eventually this cycle of, I guess, death. Well, first of all, different emotions cause the secretion of different biochemicals. So if you're relaxed or you're stressed, your body is actually functioning totally differently. Hmm. And, and there's different levels of, of chemicals in, in the bloodstream. That's something that's very easy to test. So that's one aspect of it. Is, let me ask and you, Joan, about that, not to interrupt, but that, I mean, what if what if I'm seemingly relaxed because I'm doing something um, that's, that allows me to escape, but in the back of my head, I know I've got something big to do, but I'm just avoiding and avoiding and avoiding which chemistry is going to play. The, the one of avoidance where I'm just trying to find a peaceful oh, moment yeah. or sure. is or is the uh, first of all, I wouldn't I wouldn't call that being relaxed. No, I mean, well, but I guess it's not relaxed, but we I, I wonder if we're not trying to pretend like we are. Oh, there's a lot of that. And, and so we there's still have the same chemical reaction, whether we're pretending to be doing what we should be doing or Definitely. not. We're, yeah, Definitely. And in fact, um, to a certain degree, it's. You know, the new age uh, trend and everything, there is a lot of pretending there. And and in fact, that trend has introduced a lot of that. I mean, I've seen clients that meditate regularly in their basket cases. Yeah. So they're they're using the language of, hey, I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to go find my peaceful space, but they really are basket cases still. They're faking it. I'm mean, not faking it, but they're, they're, there's, an, they're, there's an illusion that they're doing something healing when it's really not. Yes. Hmm. And that's the reason, of course, that there is a percentage of people who, who do meditate and do all kinds of things that, according to the literature, should create health, and they're not. Yeah. And often the reason is is that they're not going deep enough. Well, yeah, they and because there's if there's two pathways, they, I guess they've also got to make sure they're getting to those pathways. They're not just occupying time. They've got to either be getting into neurological or biochemical, right? Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. And is this what you teach at the university? There is this deeper, this deeper science, this deeper cut. Well, actually, what I teach at the university is an introductory course to holistic medicine, and and the course is open to students in all departments of the Faculty of Health Sciences. So I have medical students, um, nursing students, paramedics, physiotherapists, um, and and a few other departments. And basically what they get is an introduction to holistic medicine, how it differs from conventional medicine, when is it uh, recommended to combine counterindications and and things like that. But the emphasis is on the connection between body, mind, emotions. And since that's my clinical expertise, I, I definitely put an emphasis on that. And I, I think it's, I mean, I really think we don't have any clue 
how complex we are. And, and so, yeah, the idea that we might simplify it by keeping it in just the physiological realm or the psychological realm, but you, getting to the cellular level is, is a whole other level of it. Do you, um, do you think, as you see us as a society, where are we going maybe wrong in our approach to emotion? Well, to begin with, you know, there's a lot of emotional conditioning, um, and and that's having a, a really bad effect. And I think the most important aspect of that is the differentiation between positive emotions and negative emotions. Because, you know, as soon as you label something as being negative, nobody wants to be in the negative. Right, no. And that's a good base for starting the bypass and suppressed emotions because, you know, you don't want to be in the negative. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. (laughs) So the number one one suggestion or recommendation that I always give people is to legitimize all emotions. Just just look at it as being... Um, a basket full of resources, full of possibilities. And each possibility can serve you or not, depending upon how you use it. Hmm. So so I, it does, it's not binary. It's not good or bad. These are all, the emotions are useful indicators that can be used to help us in any way, however they appear. Nothing, nothing can be good or bad until you associate a meaning to it or a significance to it or an interpretation to it. If you take love, for example, okay? I don't know about you, Matt, but when I was, I don't know, 15, 16, and I had a crush on the guy, you know, in the... In the in in at school, and I was sure I was in love, but he was older than I was. Yeah. he really didn't even see me. That was painful. Yeah, and he had you know, braces I mean, that... and and headgear. <laughs> you, know, you know, and yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, you know, love is supposed to be positive. That's supposed to be pleasant. Well, right. I can tell you that was pretty painful. That's right. That's true, huh? You know, and and yet on the other hand. I can think of a lot of situations where I got upset about something and that anger moved me um, to, to act or, or react to something and move myself out of a situation that wasn't really very good for me. So, you know, you could turn around and say, boy, that anger really served me. That yeah, was anger was helpful. Yeah. That's a, a, I mean, if you, you know, I know you talk a lot about relationships. I've yeah. had a lot of women claim that their frustration in a relationship was what motivated them to, to, to leave the relationship. Yeah. You know, so... But the emotion's know, neutral to, is what you're saying, right? Emotions are... Ne- exactly. And, and they're, they're going to remain neutral until, I guess, we... Maybe in a cognitive or a kind of more of a thought cognitive place in our brain, put a value on it. Exactly. And you're saying one of the first keys to managing emotion is is you call it legitimizing all emotion, but I guess just letting the emotion be what it is, just let it be there. Exactly. And then and then and then I guess start moving it, and then I guess try start trying to make sense what the emotion's telling us. Well. The, the, next thing that there, the next thing is 
either because there, there are two things that we need to, to look at here. One is the interpretation of the emotion, the right. significance that we attribute to the emotion, and how we decide to, to deal with it or how we decide to deal with the situation that's causing it. That's one group of things we need to talk about. And the second one is what do we do with the actual sensation, the buildup in the body? Okay. Now, it's important that people understand that the main motivation to suppress, manipulate, and otherwise bypass emotions is to avoid the sensation, not the emotion. Oh, we, want, the we want the sensation to go away. We want the sensation to go away. Why, why would we, we want a sensation to, to go away if it was a positive sensation? First of all, most suppression or, or let's say, oh, that was okay. problems that suppression causes is, is associated more with what people call negative emotions. Yeah, so what we've interpreted we've is a negative. Okay. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah, okay. so we want the negative but emotion to forget, stop. But don't forget, um, you know, what, what, what we call positive emotions can be very intense and very overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember driving to a rock concert that I was so excited about. It was almost like I was jumping out of my skin. You know, I yeah. mean, and excitement is, is, could be, can be very pleasurable. No, absolutely. You know, so this is why the, the categorization into positive and negative is actually very crippling when, when trying to make sense of it all and, and see how we want to deal with it. Now, my approach is, is very different because most people who talk about emotions talk about expressing emotions. Right. You know, you have to get it out, and then the discussion is how can we get emotions out in healthy ways. You know, I mean, how do we express anger without hitting the other guy or, you know, throwing something or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And and then we talk about sports and, you know, that whole route. Right. And what I'm saying is that since emotions, including the sensations, are created in the body, we have to decharge them in the body. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. They belong. They're in okay. there. So you've got to deal with them in there, or I guess they go with they go undealt. We don't deal with them. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, yeah. I mean, or, or we deal with them in an ineffective way, in an ineffective way in our lives, where we end up hurting other people because we didn't deal with it in ourselves. Well, you, it, I I wouldn't call that dealing because um, you know if if people do things to um, make the sensation go away. That's not dealing with the emotion. Right, right. It's just put, passing it on. It's just shutting it in a drawer somewhere. Yeah. And then when the drawer, you know, is, is completely full, it just explodes and bursts out all over the place. And that can be in, a, in form of disease. That can be in form of a, you know, a, a actual outburst. It can be violence. It can be anything. Yeah. You know what, you know, Joan? Let's the, take a break. Here, because okay. I, I want to get back and have you start to explain a little bit more about uh, the actual kind of interpreting process, the selection process of how we, you okay. know, how we, what we do with the interpretation of our emotions, and then really start getting into how we should start expressing the emotion in a healthier way. We're talking with Joan Jacobs 
from Israel, and uh, she is a holistic healer with an expertise in emotional-based healing. 26 years' experience doing that. We'll be back with Joan to try to figure out how to manage and understand our emotions more effectively. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. How small can you make a satellite? And what can you do with it once you've built it? Call home, obviously. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. NASA's space technology program stimulates creative new thinking in the application of advanced tech that's as useful in space as it is on Earth. So here's an idea. It's often claimed we flew men to the moon with computers less powerful than what's inside today's smartphones. So can a smartphone fly in space? Only one way to find out. Nanosats are really tiny satellites, a cube only four inches on a side. They're about the size of a decent cup of coffee. The PhoneSat mission built three prototypes very quickly, with a budget of only $3,500 each. They kept costs down by using off-the-shelf smartphones as the guts of the tiny orbiters. Nanosat 1 has a simple job of taking pictures and texting back messages about the onboard conditions. Nanosats 2 and 3 step up their game by adding solar panels, GPS, and electromagnetic stabilization to keep their cameras pointed straight. Popular Science awarded Nanosat the 2012 Best of What's New Award. Future fleets of nanosats might combine to study the sun or explore other worlds while phoning home their findings. I better take that. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. On The Julie Hanks Show, you can get advice on relationships, life balance, emotional health, and a whole lot more. And the best part is you get to help pick the topics. You can talk to Julie during the show by calling 855-CHAT-BYU or email Julie anytime, julie at juliehanks.com. So send us your question and catch the show Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are dealing, not dealing, understanding, trying to learn a healthier way to uh, look at emotion and, and our emotions. And we're talking with a uh, holistic healer and expert in emotional-based healing um, of 26 years, Joan Jacobs out of Israel. Joan teaches uh, at, the, at the Faculty of Health Sciences at Ben-Gurion University there. And she's walking us through some of the things we can do to, to maybe better manage and express our emotions and to understand what emotions are. We've talked about the fact that they tend to come from different sources, neurological sources that generate the emotion, biochemical ways. And, uh, and then, you know, emotions are neutral. We, we just are having this experience, this sensation. Then we have to interpret them. And uh, so, Joan, welcome back to the show with us. Mm. Fill us in. I'm here. I'm here, Max. Okay, go ahead. Fill us in, Joan, because one thing we're kind of uh, so the, the the emotions a fairly neutral thing, and then we as you know as thinkers, I guess supposedly, or non thinkers, we end up hanging and attaching a meaning to the emotion, 
which is, I guess, mm-hmm. called the interpretation. What, what, what are some tools or, or what, what would you suggest we need to know about that stage of understanding our emotions? Okay. Well, the, the most important thing to understand is that whenever we're exposed to information, be it through what, things that we see, things that we hear, that information is being filtered. And it, it's being filtered because the, the body strives to create balance between the inner environment and the outer environment. So you can imagine it as having an archive in your mind of belief systems and values, things that you think are true, things that, that you think are right. And when, you're, when you deal with incoming input, you're filtering that, often distorting it, to make it fit what's in there already. Yeah, your world, your inner world, huh? Your, your inner world, okay? Now, why I'm saying that is so important is because when you, when you want to start identifying and shifting the way you interpret situations in order to, to modify the emotions, you have to be willing to look at your belief systems and your values and how you're filtering information. Hmm. Now, the best tip that I can give the listeners is that when you filter, okay, when you're, you're, you're hearing things, nothing, again, is positive or negative 100%. Right. So no matter how negative you think what you're hearing is, always keep in mind that even if it's half a percent, that half a percent says that something good could come out of it. There's still that chance of goodness even in the thought that it's all bad. Exactly. Now what I have people do is take the sentences as they are, take them out of context and write them on a, on a blank piece of paper. So they, there's no tone of voice, you know, it's out of the context. Mm-hmm. And just write down five or six possible interpretations of the sentence, possible ways of understanding what was said, which is actually associating significance to it and meaning. So you're forcing them to find, so if they take a thought and, and like if, if somebody sat and wrote down their feelings about an event or even just, I guess, the data about the event, you're saying you could take each one of those sentences one at a time and the person could then go actually write down five different ways to interpret each exactly. of those events or the, or the the data around that. I mean, there's uh, so so your wife didn't do it because she hates you. She didn't not whatever for you because she hates you. Exactly. She may have done it because she was real busy today. She may have done it exactly. because she forgot. She may have done it because exactly. and that's like us intentionally shifting the interpretation. And the, the irony of I guess of that is it doesn't end up. It's not you're actually giving somebody the benefit of the doubt is really what you're doing. I mean, potentially, Which isn't necessarily, you, you know, a bad thing. No, it's just what neutral. I'm, actually, what I'm doing is I'm cracking 
the the structure, the pattern. Yeah. Because most intelligent people would admit that that is a possibility. It may be a slight possibility, but it is a possibility. You can't say that it's not a possibility. So then the brain goes, oh my God, there may be other possibilities. And it, it softens the resistance. I love that, and yeah. If you, and if you keep practicing it, it's like you keep putting that question mark up there. Is, is the way that I understood what she said to me, is that the only way? Could there not be other options? And just asking those questions all the time forces the mind to expand and see things in a broader perspective. I love that. I, I actually do something similar with my clients that I call uh, the respecting question. Whenever they're caught up in the negative interpretation, like my wife's so whatever, negative, or my husband's so bad, then I, I basically have them do the exact same thing and just try to find the benefit. Why would a loving, decent, caring, amazing person do that? And give me five reasons. And it does. It stretches the brain. And, and it seems like once we stretch the brain to know that there's multiple reasons or options or potentialities for an issue or a situation, it's almost like the brain can't go back, can it? It, it now is more open. Yeah. It's a possibility. It definitely is. That's powerful. And if you keep practicing, yeah, it is. I, um, I, I think it seems like we can't do that enough. I mean, because that's everything. When you're sitting at a light and you're thinking, why is this crazy jerk not going? Um, there's, you're already interpreting negatively. Well, if you practice it enough, it, it almost becomes like second nature. Yeah. And I call it the difference between hearing what moves you forward versus hearing what you're trying to avoid. Yeah. And it's the difference, okay. it seems like, between having peace and having, you know, tension inside of you. Because you can feel the tension release, and you're just saying, do this quickly or do this enough in your life, and you'll be able to release those feelings of caused by interpretation more quickly. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. And it just, it just becomes very natural to hear the interpretation that serves you, that supports you, that moves you forward. You just don't hear the negative anymore. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. Joan Jacobs, I uh, so appreciate that. I wish we had more time um, to, to talk about this. But if anybody wants to get more information from Joan, you can go to jjacobshealth.com. Is that the best website to go to, Joan? Well, it's my website. I mean, I, you know, I'm the, I just want to make sure I have the right one. jjacobshealth.com. And .com. on there, she's exactly. got everything you can imagine, some videos. She, you can get the, her resources, her books, talk about her group event, her program. Remember, she is also the host of Light Within Radio broadcast series. So you can look that up. She's a former host on Voice America and the creator of the Light Within online community. Joan Jacobs, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Matt. Matt, for having me. Appreciate you. And uh, really great lesson about our interpretation and our ability to use our mind to better manage the emotion and to better get a hold of, uh, of what's important 
and uh, what's not. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. Be back after this break right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. This Saturday and Sunday, Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio is proud to bring you all four general sessions of the semi-annual General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Tune in at noon and 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday for General Conference live from the Conference Center in Salt Lake City on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Another key section could be dropped from the Senate's gun control bill. Pressure from the National Rifle Association is mounting against a section creating harsher punishments for straw purchases. Connecticut lawmakers are expected to vote today on what has been described as one of the nation's toughest gun control bills. If approved, the state will ban high-capacity magazines and increase background checks. A new abortion law has passed through the Alabama Alabama legislature and is now headed for the governor's desk. Opponents warn the bill is just a backdoor attempt to shut down the state's five abortion clinics. Mobile missile defense systems are being deployed in Guam to defend against any attack from North Korea. Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel says the U.S.'s leaders are doing everything they can to defuse the situation peacefully. A federal report released yesterday shows 20 percent of babies born to teenagers are not the mother's first children. The report shows only 22 percent of the mothers were using what are considered most effective forms of birth control. The Carnival cruise ship, which ended up stranding passengers on board for four days earlier this year after a power failure, was adrift again today. Cables holding the massive ship at an Alabama dock snapped during a windstorm. In world news, a key joint North and South Korean industrial complex was shut down today by leaders from the North. The move has been labeled ominous as the complex is the only open crossing between the two nations. And an unexploded World War II-era bomb was found today near a major Berlin train station. The 220-pound bomb caused massive commuter delays this morning while experts debated attempting to remove it or detonate it in place. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, and uh, we've been talking about emotion and the power of emotion And I was so excited to get our next guest on um, because Brigham Young University, you know, is where we film or where we do this show. The show comes from BYU Radio. But inside of our little world, there's this whole broadcasting arm called BYU Broadcasting. Inside of that, there's a radio side and there's a television side. There is a miracle worker named Scott Swafford who will never want to be called that. But Scott is really, he works with BYU television, but you're like the, you're a big dog, Yeah, Scott. they're calling it director of content. That's what you are. For the channel in general. And, uh, but and it's a big undertaking because there's a lot, what BYU's trying to do is change the quality of TV. We want to give people the, um, 
we want to give people the, the power to actually start seeing the good in the world. That is our theme, is we want you to be able to see the good in the world. And so Scott has put together a new offering that's coming out on BYU TV called Granite Flats, which is a scripted television series. The first time BYU Broadcasting has ever put together something of this size. It's a real – it's a TV show. It is, in fact, a TV like show. full-fledged, full-scripted actors, the whole deal. Yep, yep. It's, uh, the first season is eight great hours of television. And uh, hopefully, it, from my era, when you said family-friendly, you meant yeah. this is something you're going to put the kids in front of yeah. and I'm going to go do something else. We don't have a lot of that today. But this is an attempt to say, no, we can be sophisticated enough for adults and, uh, and also a- appeal to themes that kids are going to resonate with. And I've tested it against my Eight-year-old grandson and my ninety-six-year-old father, and they both really? like it. So that's if we get great. the middle, we're good. But you, I mean, what an undertaking! Because you have to then you have to have budget. You have to write the scripts. You're and you're one of the creators of this. But you also have to then go to Hollywood, find the actors, find the set, do it all. I mean, this is huge. This has got to be the biggest thing on your plate. It is indeed. And in fact, it's consumed us for about the past year making this happen. And. This market has a lot of amazing – I mean, it's particularly – those of you who, who know the Utah market will know that this sort of Wasatch Front market has this amazing collection of filmmakers. Right, talented people. But when it comes to television, we've always done everybody else's stuff. So right. Touched by an angel comes. Well, good for mm-hmm. them. They brought it here. I, I was, we decided it was time to sort of take the things we know specifically, make them available to people with like values and create our own. So Powerful. we went to the best writers we could find, the best actors we could find. We, we of course, fed them the see the good in the world philosophy yeah. and, and an, an amazing 20 minute concept piece by a BYU student and then we sat in that room and created the series and how powerful well we have a little clip just kind of the trailer that we wanted to play and let let Scott play off of that welcome to 1962 Timmy no reading at the table just one more page in a town called Granite Flats where everyone is friendly Timmy Sanders Arthur Milligan and everything is normal almost Granite Flats, premiere Sunday, April 7th on BYU-TV. You know what? It's going to be great. I've actually seen part of it, and it's it's really – it's awesome. Well, I thanks. congratulate you. I mean, and again, it's, it's like – it's not normal. It's no. like something that you – but it's so enjoyable, and it's safe. And to know that my kids can sit and watch this with me, and then there's going to be lessons that can be learned, and – and it's not corny, cheesy. It's real. It's real great TV. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. And that's, of course, the goal. We, we for a long time have been doing research and talking to people, and they always say to us, "Man, we love it if you would enlighten us or edify us." But man, not until you entertain us. If you yeah. can't entertain us and pay the price, then we're going to go watch something else. That's right. That's why they, Donnie and Marie did so well. Indeed. Hello. Entertain, 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 and then if you got anything out of it, then then that was great. See, that's what they think Mormon television is, is Donnie <laughs> and Marie. Right. But BYU Broadcasting, I mean, it really is. There's there's not another university that has the facilities we have that have BYU. I mean, we're on Sirius XM and we're on 800, uh, what is it, 800 yeah, stations, cable systems. About 800 cable systems. It's crazy. And online, we're the number, like, the number 11 or 12 most popular Roku app. Yeah. We have... Uh, you know, we're the 94th most uh, viewed cable channel in America. There's a thousand cable channels in the U.S., believe it or not. Well, we're number 94, so we're in the top 10%. And this Granite Flats is – this is your newest thing, but you've put out some really great stuff. There's some – like if you're somebody that loves Saturday Night Live, we have another program called Studio, Studio C. C. Yep. 
that is something Mike we sit down, my kids watch it, they love it. And again, another creation of yours. So people need to go find BYU TV on their dial. They do indeed. And almost every cable system has it. If for some unusual reason you can't find it on Dish Director, your cable channel, go to BYUtv.org. We, yeah. we, we stream online and there's video on demand for free. Anytime. Video on demand. Now tell me about more about the Granite Flats story. You're, I mean, again, you're, you must have lived in L.A. Is, where was it shot? You know, it was shot all over Utah. Oh, was it really? Okay. Yeah. So interestingly, the downtown is Magna, Utah. The, is uh, it? Uh, we're shoot, using an old power plant at the mouth of Provo Canyon called the Olmstead yeah. plant. That's the Veterans Hospital. Uh, it really was an, an effort to take advantage of this amazing crew that exists here, and and then take uh, our writing team includes this wonderful uh, Latter Day Saint guy named James Shores, plus an Orthodox Jew, a confirmed Buddhist, an LA script writer who wrote on Pushing great. Daisies named uh-huh. Jack Monaco. And then we went looking for a cast, and I have a lot of friends in the entertainment business, and so we got them to help us find great casting directors. And in came these people who normally play on uh, Justified or on Boardwalk Empire, and they read the script and they went, wow, no one's doing anything like this. This is smart and it's clean and there just isn't any of that. So I want to be on this. That's so great. And you you have support – you know, from everyone around you, family, friends, they've all kind of tested it out. Does it scare you? Like, I'd be terrified. If I had the big debut, are you worried? You know, or do you have enough data already that people this is keep saying, rock? you guys are pioneers? And I think, well, think about that for a second. The fate of pioneers. <laughs> yeah, that didn't go so it's well. It's <laughs> either you get to your destination and you're revered by generations right. to come, or you freeze to death and people eat you. Yeah, you know, exactly. So I'm not really quite sure what Sunday will bring. And it's not like a network where it's instant, right. but. On some level, we'll have to make a case for why this should keep being done or we yeah. just can't afford to spend the resources. Right. So really uh, all of your listeners on XM uh, and Sirius should be saying to themselves, I'm going to go find Granite Flats and watch it because all those online metrics count. All yeah. those uh, local Nielsen numbers count. So if they'll watch us, uh, it'll come back. You'll see. We'll do, we'll do eight more great hours. Well, plus it's, there's no surprises. You're not going to have something dropped in there that all of a sudden you have to explain to your child like – yeah, I guess we're going to have the birds and the bees discussion now. No, every single moment where, where someone does something that, that, that this culture would say, ooh, wait a minute, the consequences are clearly obvious. So yeah. we, we have an alcoholic in there who's trying to get over that. Yeah. You see the consequences of that lifestyle. Um, we have a little bit of a, a passion, but it's between husband and wife kissing on the couch and their son interrupts them. So I think it's fairly innocuous. Yeah, and gross. there are certainly – there's no vulgarity, no, uh, no overt violence, although there's plenty of mystery – Intrigue, romance, right. suspense, right. etc. When um, I mean, when you're trying to conceive of all of this and, and figure this out, how I mean, how on earth do you begin to even get a story? Like, I mean, I would just start throwing together. Okay, we want a tall guy, <laughs> and we want a car. <laughs> right, right. I mean, how do you start to even conceive the idea? Of you know, to, to be fair, we were looking for something we could do in scripted, and we run a show. Uh, we run a, a program on campus called Writer's Block. Mm. Writer's Block is a cooperation between us and the theater and media arts department. And they come in and pitch little concept pieces. And we produced three or four a year. We produced one, a little 20-minute piece called Heaven Under a Table. Okay. And the core plot of that was that a kid in the 60s lost his dad who was an Air Force test pilot and felt like he could still talk to him. And so when a satellite deorbits into his town, he wanted to go find out if that was his dad coming back to visit. Oh, wow. And a child young enough to know that. So there's this process of finding that. We saw that and we thought, you know, the great thing about the 60s is there's no overt violence. Sexuality wasn't talked about right. much. There's, vulgarity wasn't appropriate in, in polite company. Yeah, We can go back to an era that still embraces our attitudes, and yet we can enfold it into 
this intrigue plot of the Cold War and what was going on behind the scenes with our own government and with the Russians and et cetera. And so we just folded all that great existing – I'm not saying everything in here is actual, but everything in here is based on actual events. Yeah. In addition to which, this kid's got to mesh into a new town and everyone who's ever done that knows that's not an easy gig. Oh, yeah. And, and then – yeah, and get assimilated into it. Um, it's interesting because like there's been a huge success too of Downton Abbey. Right. And – so it's not like we can't go back to era type of programming and adapt. And it's funny you bring that up. We, you know, the U.S. model has always been for the networks, man, do 13, do 13 more. Yeah. It's so funny to watch Downton Abbey, which opened with just a few episodes. Right. They do a few each season and you wait a year for oh, the next season. Oh, people are eating out. it up. And that's about the level that we're able to perform on is that British model. Yeah. So, so we're saying, look, we'll give you eight great hours. If you love it, say so, share it. We'll keep running the episodes. And then if we get that momentum we're hoping for – We'll go out and create more episodes of it. So, And you have such strong backing from BYU Broadcasting, BYU TV. I mean it's – I love it and I love what you're doing. And Scott, honestly, I, nobody knows of your history of everything you've done. But everyone out there has probably seen stuff you've done. It's out there. I think that would be fair to say. I mean I've been a big fish in a tiny little pond but I've worked in 50 countries. Yeah. And my goal in those days was to take people – IMAX was to take people – someplace they couldn't normally go, right. to an ecosystem, to a country, to an experience. Well, we're really doing the same thing here. We're yeah. just taking people to someplace that they, they can't go. Unless you can get your kids to watch Carol Burnett or something, you can't really watch Studio C. Right. Exactly. Unless you can get your kids back in time to watch those amazing dramas where Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. We, we kid people and we say, look, this is really a cross between The Wonder Years and Twin Peaks. No, exactly. No, that's exactly. So if you enjoyed The Wonder Years, it's that safe. It's even... It's even a higher it's quality. It's safer than Wonder Years. It is yeah. safer than Wonder Years. And it even seems even higher quality, quite honestly. Indeed. Sure. And then the other one was Twin Peaks. Exactly. So if you enjoyed those, that's where we're going. Yep. That's the center spot there. And just an amazing local. The art department is stunning. You'll see and feel and experience the look of the 60s. So if you live through them, it will be incredibly nostalgic. Yeah, going home. If you have no idea what your parents are talking about, <laughs> you'll get to say, wow, that's what that that's was like. That's what that was about. That's yeah. why my dad's so warped. That is, of course. Yeah. Don't you need yeah. that? Okay. So fill us in on the time and place where we can find it again. So it's just actually all over the place. It starts this Sunday. It premieres uh, right at four o'clock. That's a key issue this Sunday because people will be finding something to do about that right, time of day. Exactly Exactly right. Runs uninterrupted without commercial interruption, and then it plays twice more that night, 6 and at 9 p.m., yeah. and then it plays all week in several time slots. We're not trying to say you should watch this on Sunday. We're just saying, look, we're making this commitment to uh, get this content to you in as Great. many ways as we can. If it's online, if it's over your Roku box, if it's video on demand later when you can. Find it. DVR it, find it, watch it, share it, talk about it, and uh, we'll create that social buzz that makes – launch as possible. That's great. Scott Swafford, good stuff, my friend. Proud of it. And I mean, really, it makes, it'll make you see the good in the world again. Thanks again. It's like going home. Uh, We'll be back, folks. We're going to take a break. Appreciate Scott Swafford joining us. Go check out Granite Flats. Uh, Find BYU TV anywhere you can on your cable or get online. Go to BYU.org. BYUtv.org. BYUtv.org. And check it out there. We'll be back with more information right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. On a chemical level, we're all left-handed. A new instrument in development might prove we live in a left-handed universe. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. So what's this about everybody being left-handed? Well, it's not about handwriting, but about organic chemistry and the search for life on other planets. 
You and maybe part of that hamburger you're eating are made up of proteins. The various proteins, in turn, are built from smaller substances called amino acids. There are 20 different kinds, and if you look at one on an atomic level, they have a sort of polarity called chirality. Aminos come in left-handed and right-handed chiralities, but on Earth, all living things we know of use only left-handed amino acids. And so far, samples of amino acids from comets and meteoroids also are all lefties. Stephanie Getty at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center won Innovator of the Year and a $1.2 million grant to develop a miniaturized instrument that can fly to icy moons and worlds and use liquid chromatography to see if this precursor for life exists out there away from Earth contaminants. Was Earth life seeded with left-handed aminos from early comet impacts? When perfected, Getty's device may help answer this question and more. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Did you leave BYU without a degree? I'm thankful for the Bachelor of General Studies program because as I chose the life that I wanted to live, being a full-time mom, staying at home, and raising my children, it just gave me hope that I could still finish my goal, but at the same time I could still be fulfilling my responsibilities as a wife and a mother while still being able to take university courses. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, We're wrapping up today's topic of emotion and managing your emotions, trying to figure out how to lead a healthier life when it comes down to the fact that, you know, we're emotional creatures. And really, uh, it's funny, I was just talking to Sky Boy. And Sky, when we started the show today, Sky, you were pretty tired. I was. And now you just seem so perky and chipper and pumped up. Why is that? Um, during the break, not not last break, but the break before, yeah, last break, I went out to the vending machines and I got some sour skittles. Okay, and I've been. Uh, so you're all sugared up on all me. sugared up on you. Well, and, it's fun and to have sour, you back. The sourness kind of yeah. You, know, well, I, you even gave me one, and that really perked me up. Yeah, they're good. Um, so one way to improve your emotion, I guess, is to just eat sugar. <laughs> yeah, sour skittles. I love it because you're a whole different guy. You actually like bring this personality out when you Thank sugar you. up. The skittles bring the personality out of me. I like yeah. to think of it more like that. Okay, <laughs> that's a good way to think about it. By the way, if you if you want, um, you don't need medicine. You just need sugar. Yeah. So can I just beg you to bring some sugar every day? I can do that. You did. It just changed you. Yeah. You're perky. You're smiling. Yeah, I like sugar. I like Your skittles. eyes are wide open. <laughs> you look good. Well, on the show, we talked with Joan Jacobs about uh, emotion, and, and she got into how, how it's such a major part of our life. And as we wrapped up the show, one thing I wanted to work on and talk to you about is how, we, how our emotion, my emotion, impacts the emotion of others and how their, how their emotion impacts me. Um, it really is, as I, as I kind of think about it, it's, it's one of the core sources of relationship problems that I deal with. So as I coach people, and I'll have all of, you know, I'll, I'll have some stuff posted. So if you want to find out more information about um, some of the things I'm going to talk about, we'll have some links on my website. If you just go to matttownsend.com, M-A-T-T. 
M-A-T-T-T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D. It's hard to spell your name. It is. I have three T's in a row on that site. It's hard. MattTownsend.com. But go there and you can get this information. So I know you're driving. You don't need to write it down. But one of the things that we we have to start to do, and Joan started getting into this personally, is we have to start noticing our own emotion. And if, if you live a life where you don't notice your emotion until you've already steamrolled over 50 people, we've got to figure a way out to, to back out of that and find a way to catch these, these feelings earlier. If we can catch them earlier, then we can start to um, set rules around them and do stuff around, these, uh, around this emotion. If we don't, then the emotion starts to hijack us. And I'm sure each one of you out there in listener land have had an experience where You've just been so overwhelmed with the emotion that the emotion started driving the show. That's why we call it emotional hijacking. It's a very common issue that happens to us as humans. It's also what I found one of the number one keys to messing up our relationships. So as you're thinking about it and you start to have a feeling inside of you, remember one key is one that was Joan was talking about is just allow the emotion to just kind of be there. It's not good or bad. It's not neutral. It's, I mean, it's, it's neutral. It's not positive or negative. Another key, though, is um, to start to let the, the emotion tell you something. The negative emotion is communicating that you, you, how you've interpreted this. If we make a life where we're constantly interpreting negatively and we feel a lot of quick reactions about what other people are saying, we have to find a way to slow that down. And in some of the literature uh, that uh, deals with marriage and family, that is called flooding. Flooding is when your emotions are going off and you're starting to be chemically flooded by all of these, this chemistry, like adrenaline and, um, and, and, and uh, what's it called? Uh, the anxiety chemical. Now I can't remember it. Um, anyway, but we get overwhelmed with anxiety and stress chemistry and it starts to drive the show. So here's the key. When you start to notice it, and, and it can happen quickly, we are going to actually recognize the emotion and literally, I try to say to myself, okay, I'm starting to get frustrated. I'm starting to get angry. I'm starting to notice that my all this tension I'm feeling is making it harder for me to deal with others and to relate with others. Recognize the emotion and then try to explore the reason for it. Behind this emotion, there is a story. Um, sometimes, though, you got to be careful because the story is something we make up. And I think Joan was alluding to that earlier today. We make up the emotional story and we start attaching our anger or our feelings to someone else or to something else. We tend to project them outside of us. So one of my goals and my rules is that I would make sure as you're exploring your story, you try to be fairly real. What is generating this emotion? It's not just that so-and-so did something. It's not that your wife intended to hurt you. It's start to explore it. And it might be, you might even want to start first with some of the physiological reasons. So instead of starting to blame your emotion on every other human in your life, why don't you just start to blame it on the fact that you're tired maybe? That maybe you haven't eaten. Maybe you've had too many Skittles, for example, if you're Sky Boy. And maybe you ought not be popping Skittles uh, in the middle of a show where there might be a little tension or anxiety. I think it helped the tension and anxiety. I think actually. it did too. Yeah. It actually woke you up. Yeah. So you should have recognized your lack of emotion and said, hey, well, recognize I did. That, your emotion. That's why I went and got Skittles. That was good. Thanks. And then you explored your story. Hey, I'm hungry. I, I'm low on energy and emotion. And then you went and attended to your need. Yes. You went and took care of it. Yes. And, and it made, made 
everything better. You, I'm honestly, yeah. I, in fact, you're a little jittery. A little jittery. <laughs> Haven't had this much sugar in a while. I know it, it's going off. So it, that, that's I call that the process of getting real. Recognize the emotion you're feeling, and then explore the story behind it. And as you explore the story behind the emotion, try to be very real with yourself. Instead of pinning all of your pain on someone else, make sure you're trying to own it. It's not just everyone else's fault. It's not Matt's fault I'm falling asleep because he's boring. Don't pin it on me, man. I didn't. It's your fault because you didn't have any, you have low blood sugar. Yes. Then here's the rule. Then you attend to the issue. Right? So the A in get real means you attend to the issue. Get down to the real issue you're dealing with. With Skyboy, it was he needs sugar. Uh, so if you had just had an argument with your spouse, hypothetically, not you, Skyboy, but if you, had a, if you had a fight or an argument with your spouse, and the argument was about how your husband never helps around the house, recognize the emotion that you felt. By the way, you can do this hours after the fight. You don't even have to do it the minute of the fight. You can do it. Half hour, two hours, 10 days after. Some of you had an emotional flooding episode that happened 20 years ago. You attached a story to it, and you still haven't let it go. You know what? You can still get real with that issue. And you recognize the emotion of it. Man, I'm really angry about what happened 20 years ago with my brother. Explore the story behind it and, and try to figure all of you know, the, the stories you've built about that issue. Then attend to the real issue. Underneath the story, there's a very real basic issue. I call it the starved stuff. And on the show, you may have heard me mention my book. I wrote a book called Starved Stuff, Feeding the Seven Basic Needs of Healthy Relationships. And what I found is that the base of most of our stories that we tell where we're in pain is a very basic starved issue. The starved issues are safety, trust, appreciation, respect, validation, encouragement, and dedication. Those are the triggers that tend to make us go off emotionally. If you don't feel safe, you're going to have the fear and you're going to go off emotionally. If you don't trust somebody, we're going to have some fear issues, you're going to go off emotionally. If I don't feel appreciated by my partner, I'm going to start to get angry or feel frustrated or whatever the emotions will be. So I, when we're listening to our story and I start telling the story about my brother that hurt me 20 years ago, I can listen to if it's a safety issue. You know, maybe my brother left me out in a field and drove home without me, and I felt unsafe at age, whatever, 15. By the way, this isn't a true story because I don't have a brother. Um, But I may also not trust my brother, and that caused some problems for me. I may have felt disrespected. Respect is one of the starved issues. I may have felt discouraged. Encouragement is one of the starved issues. Or I may have felt like he's not dedicated. Once I can go down to kind of more of my basic issue, I can realize that that need, that problem that that happened um, wasn't just because of my brother. If I still to this day have safety issues, I need to work on my safety issues. And that's the L of Get Real, which is where I need to lift the situation or the conversation. I need to go make it better. If I have a safety issue still then I need to go work on being a safer person. If I don't trust my brother, then I need to maybe work on being more trustworthy or go talk to my brother or figure out a way to kind of mend that fence. And so basically, and by the way, again, you can go to matttownsend.com and on my blog there, I'll have all of the seven basic needs there that you can just look at it. We'll have, we'll have an article about starved right there. Um, in fact, there's an ebook you can get that's called Feeding the Starved Relationship, and it's right there on the website at Matt Townsend. That is a key resource. 
to get real, recognize the emotion you're feeling, explore your story behind it, attend to the starved issue underneath it. What's the real starved stuff? And then lift your life. Lift it. Start to change. You have the power to manage your own emotions. Did you know that? You don't have to be like the dog that just reacts to what they're feeling. You actually can go create a better view. And that's what uh, we were talking about with Joan earlier, where instead of just immediately interpreting the person that did something hurtful to you as evil, horrible creatures, you get the power and have the power inside of your mind to change what you feel about somebody simply by questioning and finding other interpretations for why they may have done it. Why may a brother have left me in a field after a fight? Why would a husband um, not help with housework? Why would your wife or your spouse not touch you? Um, why would your children always come home late, even though you've told them 500 times not to? There's other reasons at play. And the minute you can start creating other interpretations, you're going to start to lift your own emotion. And then the key is, once you've lifted your life to a different level, then recognize your emotion and start paying attention to when you do have good emotions. Want a homework assignment for you? Is I want you to go out there and start noticing when you have positive emotion. It's not enough to just try to fix your life when everything's bad and horrible. Let's start noticing out there when we have the good, healthy emotions. The more you notice where you have healthy, positive emotions, let's start doing more of that. Make sense? Time to get real, folks. Go to matttownsend.com if you want information about Starved and Real. You can get it there. And join us again tomorrow. We're going to talk about another great subject tomorrow. We're trying to, uh, you know, give you the eyes to see how great life can be and give you a leg up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.